Hey there, welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about technology, people and culture. I'm Matt Ryan, digital marketing strategist, and with me as always is Curtis Selleck, a finance analyst and the only person excited for Skyrim on the Nintendo Switch. What? On this episode, we'll be talking about the Electronics uh, Entertainment Expo and what the announcement at this year's event portends for the next few years in gaming. Stay with us. Oh, that's the... Three, two, one. So, E3. Every year, around June, we have, the I suppose, all the software developers, all the video game production companies, all the, I suppose, the publishers of these games sort of come together in one place to talk about what's on their slate for the next year. Um, I think it's often sort of like a uh, palate cleansing exercise for a lot of these um, organisations where they've got some really big, exciting things coming up, but also I think that um, really wrapping up from some of the major releases that they've had earlier in the year. So really a good time, I suppose, to take stock of where the video game sort of market is for the year. We've had some um, fairly large sort of console launches in the last six months, um, and then I suppose we've also received some uh, information about, I suppose, upcoming uh, console launches as well that I think will be really interesting and I think start to uh, shape the conversation that we have around gaming for the future. Curtis, uh, was there anything that particularly caught your eye about this year's E3? Uh, I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, as much as a gamer as I am, and I love technology, I never ca- put these things in the calendar. So I... I it uh, always creeps <coughs> up on you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I went, I went on to, to YouTube and Reddit, and uh, explosion of uh, videos and criticisms and content. And um, much to my amazement, I think the... The feedback I've found, and I don't know if you've, you've found the same, that is, it's been mostly negative uh, towards it. Yeah, it's been it all, curiously or, flat. Or neutral, yeah, at, at best. Um, but but I think uh, I, what I'm excited about or what, what I really liked is um, just the format of E3. Like, that's something that I, is probably not talked to a lot, but um, I like how it's segmented. I like how there's some cross-platform, how you get some games that appear on, you know, all consoles, yep. and it's it's not against one against the other, but it's it's if I own an Xbox or a PlayStation or a PC or a or a Nintendo Switch or a Wii U, um, I can still enjoy, you know... It's fairly egalitarian in that it's a, yeah. there's something for everyone there, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, I suppose um, uh, maybe we'll talk, I think, generally to the mood uh, yep. that's that's sort of taken hold, or at least a lot of the coverage. Um, I, I really get the impression from some of the, I suppose, the um, experiences that we've seen or some of the um, uh, commentary that we've come across is that it is, as I suppose, curiously flat. I think there's usually um, one or two real sort of superstar stories yep. that come out of E3 every year, um, whether or not that's the sort of the console launch or there's, you know, sort of some announcement of a, uh, of a game that's sort a of um, so far. Title. Yeah, yeah um, whereas, you know, I feel like uh, in the last couple of years, you know, we've seen sort of um, announcements of fairly big sort of games like your Red Dead Redemption and your Fallout 4 and sort of that kind of stuff where, you know, there's something that's really captured the imagination um, of the sort of uh, gaming population. Bethesda's good at doing that, I've heard. Yeah, I, I, you know, maybe not this year, but in previous years, they've definitely um, shown themselves to do that. And so it's a really interesting, I suppose, kind of um, uh, place to be in gaming where I think the technology is more cutting edge than it ever has been before and the sort of examples or the uses of technology are more amb- ambitious than they've ever been before. But the games just don't seem to be doing it. No, and I th- it, that just may be a software... Um, Which is part lag, of the cycle. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's it's um, v- VR. I've, I don't know. I know we've spoken to this uh, before, but VR just it, it doesn't excite me. But I think that's because there's not that game, and I I don't have. There's the not the tra- experience yeah. that makes it sort of viable. Like I don't think anyone necessarily really wants to play like a first person shooter until they played like Goldeneye. Um, mm. You know, you're looking for this experience that really crystallizes like what it is that you want from a specific experience. Yeah. And then it becomes less about the technology and more about the experience playing it. 
I think I'm really interested that um, we don't have like I don't I can't think of the flagship sort of uh, game that's being put forward. Um, Skyrim. And, yeah, and you know I think that Skyrim's put forward every year, uh, and so I think that uh, I think this is the sixth year that Skyrim is featured in in some way or another. Yeah. Um, uh, Skyrim's been on the what the PS3. Uh, it's been on the PS4. It's I been don't on know the if Xbox. it was. Was it on the PS3? The, uh, I know yeah, it's on the, the PS4. The original, the original PS3. Um, oh. There's a remastered version for the yeah, PS4. PS4 yeah, um, remastered for Xbox One. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it'll be remastered for Xbox One X as well. <laughs> um, it's been on the Wii U. It's been on the Wii. It's going to be on the Switch. Um, yeah. You know, I guess I'm uh, I'm interested in sort of the longevity of this particular um, title uh, being something where I feel like uh, the more time you spend with it, the less important it feels because you can feel the blood being pulled from the stone. Uh, and you see, I, I tend to <clears throat> disagree with that because I don't I don't know, Matt. You're you're a little, we're a little bit different in yeah, our gaming no, style. So so um, whenever I drop Skyrim, uh, I'll drop it for random reason and I'll pick it up and you're on a point in the map and you just have a, it's like you've n- never played the game and you just woke up one day and your character is pre-developed like 550 and now, quests that yeah, you have to complete and then now you have to just go and start again and I think it is a game that you don't it's not linear so when you start the game the first thing you can do is run straight you can start climbing the mountain you can go kill a bunch of people like it doesn't uh, it, 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 it doesn't inhibit your experience and so if you put a mod on or, you, or even just play the game as, it's, as itself, you can change that experience in a heartbeat. And it's, and it's a completely different game. Like it's, the mechanics are much the same, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what the Wii... Uh, sorry, the Wii. The, uh, the Switch is like, because yeah. the controls on that are tight. Like playing Zelda, uh, Mario Kart, like playing those games gets me excited to use the, uh, the Joy-Cons and to use the actual Pro Controller. Um, I didn't show you actually. I got one of those. Yeah, um, cool. All right. Yeah, um, and it just feels so smooth. Yeah. And I, I would be hesitant to say that it would be a problem on the Switch. I think they would get it right. They would make sure it's right. And Nintendo, uh, whether they have you, control. You feel like it's um, uh, in many ways it is a game ahead of its time, and yet it <laughs> somehow like feel like its time is constantly now. Yeah. I think it's just a really sort of um, it's a strange position for that game to be in. I think um, a lot of people, I mean, particularly me, are really looking for like what's next. Um, I guess um, in terms of that sort of open world exploration mm. um, and that kind of sort of um, uh, that kind of adventure sandbox sort of situation. I mean, you've got your standard sort of things like your Far Cry Five, which looks really interesting in terms of the setting and the sort of um, the context that they're playing in, um, as well as you know you've got your standard sort of Assassin's Creed, which I don't think has ever excited anyone ever. Um, <laughs> and then you know, curiously, not a lot on you know. So you Red Dead Redemption Two um, as well, which is sort of the big release for early next year. Um, so that's only sort of six months away. It doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to have featured at all. Could we sidebar the conversation? Can I get your opinion on Assassin's Creed the movie? I haven't seen it. Oh. Have that, you seen it? That must mean it's terrible. I don't know. No. Yeah. I no. I, 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 I. The fast bender as well. I have. I have absolutely no um, compelling reason to see it. Yeah. Um, right. The reviews have been terrible. It doesn't really sound that exciting. Um, I'm probably about six or seven Assassin's Creeds. Um, <laughs> Deep. Uh, yeah. You know. Like I, I, haven't, um, I probably haven't picked one up since the one where you were a pirate. Um, uh, Apparently that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, no. It was. I really enjoyed it, but yeah. I haven't played the one where I think that you're also like a French revolutionary. 
Um, I That's think all the other ones. Yeah, I think the new one is you said in Egypt. Um, particularly the one I enjoyed was the one where you know you were like an American war revolutionary. Okay. That was really compelling. I really enjoyed that, but I've never thought about it since. Yeah, right. Like I think that they're so transactional gaming experience that they never really stayed with me, and so I've got no investment in this IP. Yeah. So like, why would I watch a movie on it um, where I'm not really convinced that it's a particularly compelling concept? Yeah. Also, uh, talking of compelling concepts, uh, probably and thinking of the, that X title. Um, in my mind, we have talked about it before, but I actually didn't know the name of it, and you brought it up, but it's the new Mario game. Oh, so, the Mario Odyssey? Yeah, so... Um, Mario in the real world. That's right. So you, you mentioned it's like GTA Mario, and, yeah. and when you said open world, that sort of got my attention. And, and with this uh, E3 release, <clears throat> the trailer of it, um, it just takes a... It, it's a new mechanic, it's a new style, it's it's... It looks awesome. Like it, you think it, it's going to be the game that really revolutionizes what you can do with the Switch? Yeah, and and the Switch, uh, all especially these Mario titles, they are renowned for having tight controls and and being um, like a go to or a pinnacle game yep. for the console. So you know you had sixty four, and then you had uh, the Mario Galaxy on the Wii. Yeah, Mario Sunshine also like a really interesting um, game as well. For yeah, the, uh, for the GameCube as well. Yeah, and so um, for the Switch, I wonder how the Joy Cons are going to play a role in that. Um, it's got that. Well, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's got the uh, this function where, as Mario, you throw your hat onto an, an object or an, a creature, and you become that creature. So you get to sort okay, of use different different sort of yeah, cool. Uh, That's an interesting mechanic. Yeah, different attributes and and interact with the world completely different. So you know, um, Tanuki Suit Mario, obviously yeah, yeah. your your favorite um, yeah, Mario absolutely. evolution. Um, you can you can you know go through your hat on a frog, and you know uh, in Super Mario Brothers you can be a frog and yep. you can the swimming levels. Yeah, so that. It, that's just exciting in itself and and when i see that i i'm excited with as i say with everything that nintendo is doing um as for everyone else i i yeah it sort of fell a bit flat yeah i feel like um uh, we're really running into this sort of um sequelitis where i think that um uh while a lot of the mechanics and the sort of graphical advances seem really interesting they're mm. in service of i think like intellectual property that's not really compelling yeah like i think if you'd um, told me that there was sort of a new um sort of run and gun sort of amazing shooter um uh, I'd be, I think, really keen to play it. But the second you say, like, oh, there's a new Wolfenstein game, like, it feels underwhelming. Yeah. Like, I don't really... Like, I feel like that's a brand that doesn't mean anything. Um, and I feel like a lot of these sort of um, games have come out that don't really, that don't have any resonance. And they seem to be sort of like... There's a, there's a factory quality of them that I don't think is particularly compelling. Um, for, for any of our listeners that are fans of Wolfenstein, I guess I'd love uh, to see your, your feedback. To me. <laughs> I'd love to see your feedback to Matt. Um, on that because I, I think that is a franchise it's uh, it's it's probably more ingrained than uh, than Assassin's Creed I've not played it because I was never one to play Doom or Wolfenstein back when those were um, you know in their heyday uh, but you know I'm really switched on with the Switch. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that there's um, something I, th- I suppose particularly exciting for you there. Uh, one of the other things that I think that um, I'm really interested in the way is, I suppose, the standardization of like 4K technology. Yep. Um, and I think that uh, it's interesting that uh, gaming is really pushing that in a space where I don't think the consumer market is really caught up. Um, so I think that um, uh, the Xbox One X, which is the sort of brand new and I think uh, really foolishly named um, uh, <laughs> console um, uh, that's being released for, uh, I believe, Christmas, yep. um, I think is uh, really a sort of a compelling um, sort of step forward in terms of the technology and the processing and the power uh, for the console. But 
I think that um, uh, this is another uh, sort of situation where I don't know how many sort of consumers um, are going to be really getting the most out of it. And so it's the, like the nicheification of your audience where they're still selling the standard Xbox, yeah. but they're selling this particular 4K one for people who are Monster. really sort of keen. And I don't really know sort of um, uh, how saturated the 4K market is internationally to make that viable. I reckon you create a market for, um, for like a premium feel. So you're selling a console that uh, is considered next generation because you, know, you don't have other 4K consoles on the market. <clears throat> I think that actually the PS4 might have a similar with the Pro. Mm. But... Um, uh, again, yeah, it is a niche, but you're sort of future-proofing the product, but you're also offering, I guess, the option of power in a console that, you know, there's always this PC console yeah, debate. Sure. So you can go out and you can buy, you know, a 4K console and play Skyrim on 4K on your TV. I don't know is if you can put a keyboard in and a mouse. It's about with, the premium with, experience. Yeah, and, and it's just, um, I think you know the nostalgia will set in and you look at um older games and graphics and you you have a completely different sense of what it looked like back then whereas um you know looking at 4k now it it, it does sort of transcend and the graphics do make a difference i feel but it's it's i've not seen that much to be excited about it but i think it's it's good that they're taking that step and and pushing those boundaries i think it's also interesting sort of the steps they're taking forward in with virtual reality where we start talking about things like they've got a doom and fallout 4 yeah. and skyrim sort of yeah. in that where you've got this i think ip that people are invested in um and games that i think necessarily like can have that retrofitted onto them mm. where you can start to see the potential of it um i know that some of that i sort of uh completed doom last year and i found that like a remarkably tense experience just in playing it sort of in my living room yeah. even before i'm sort of in this sort of immersion kind of oculus rift sort of setup that they've got where you're actually seeing these sort of waves of things come at you it'd in be a so immersion. tense it'd be like insane right well i think it's just like it's such a ridiculous game in the first instance for how kind of um, crazy and violent and intense some of the battles are yeah. and yet sort of you know um, transporting yourself sort of physically into that environment I think will be really interesting to see how people um, respond to that and whether or not that takes that game mainstream I'm um, sort of saying look I think it's sort of the uh, your Fallout 4s and your Skyrims are less invested in that yeah. because I feel like you're spending much more time in there and so I think there's more opportunities in that that particular open world environment for the scenes to sort of show yeah. and I'll be interested to sort of see how that uh, sort of trends like I suppose translates commercially mm. and whether or not um, there's sort of a larger uptake because of that kind of the difference in playing style and I think one of our uh, later episodes we'll talk to, to VR a bit more but um, uh, I think the, like the exciting thing about that is with I think there's two different platforms there like if you're in a Doom VR experience and you're like you know you'd be hunching yourself and you'd be looking around and you know shooting and whatever and it's all tight spaces mm. and everything's tense whereas Skyrim uh, or even Fallout 4 um you, you probably don't have as much of the gravity in Fallout 4, like, you know, a desolate wasteland. But um, it just, it gives you the, the chance to be as immersive as you want, you know, be that person who collects things or, you know, be that person who just wants to go into open combat and be the sniper or have a sword or whatever it is and just go ham and then turn it off and leave it for six months and come back. And come back, you know, and and have an entirely unique experience again. Hmm. And I guess that um, uh, one of the things I think will be interesting for marrying that VR against um, sort of some of these open world, particularly something that's as expansive as Skyrim, is uh, how these unique experiences that you'll be having will change through VR. So I think that we've all had like Skyrim stories where we've had adventures (laughs) and sort of, you know, very foolish things have happened and we've done, done amazing sort of battles and that kind of stuff. But it'll be interesting to see how that changes 
changes our experience of that kind of world. Yeah. Um, so I suppose based on sort of what's come out about the uh, the game so far, um, yep. are you feeling sort of excited? Um, you know, is your anticipation entirely but based around uh, the Switch and sort of potential there? Or is there something else that's really sort of driving your enthusiasm at the moment? I think the... Uh... <clears throat> this, it, it must be just because the Switch is new but I am excited about the Switch yeah. I think there's probably not a lot like a, I'm a Playstation gamer from way back yeah. um, transitioned slowly to console uh, sorry to PC and, and now the Switch is it, it, just holding it it's it's fun it, it's not the most premium feel but it just works and, yeah. and it's intuitive and I love that like if I want to pick something up and play it for 10 minutes or play it for 4 hours like the Switch is going to give me that gratification yeah. um, I never thought when I first picked up uh, Mario Kart that it I would just be as compelling an experience as yeah I, I would want to play through each of the cups like from 50cc up yep. to reverse uh, just so I could have all the stars or you know be like okay well I, I beat the game or you know customise my car it's it's just it, it works and so that's why I'm so excited about anything at E3 that's come out um, especially Mario Odyssey. Like I, I'm, I haven't played Mario since Mario sixty four, so I'm really looking forward to sinking my teeth into that. Um, yeah, so I, I'd have to say Nintendo hands down, and, and definitely Mario. Okay, fantastic. Um, I think that uh, I think we've really covered how uh, sort of E three has made us feel, and I think that um, I suppose walking away from it, um, there is kind of that flatness with some uh, real bright spots. Hmm. Um, I'm really hoping that sort of the next six months really do see that uh, I suppose the commercial push of VR really pulls through, yep. and I think that that'll be a really interesting sort of place to um, sort of take the next level of gaming. I think that where we are in sort of the console landscape is that most of the major consoles, some of the major consoles like your Xbox One and your sort of um, PS4 are entering like their third or fourth year um, of sort of production. And it's really interesting how you know sort of we are at the midpoint for the life cycle of a console. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, you know the average console has what between five and seven years um, sort of in production. Can and so where's the um, where's the sort of next step going for that? So um, I think there's a lot to look forward to. Um, even if I think particularly the output from this year's E3 hasn't been as compelling as I had hoped, or um, or didn't really have any of the exciting announcements that I think are really going to drive uh, anticipation. Is there anything that you would uh, particularly say, you know, piqued your interest? Any, any one thing? No, no, not any one thing. I guess I'm, I'm interested in um, how the, the advancement of the technology is sort of keeping pace with, I think, games that um, maybe I wouldn't have thought would be the necessarily the first um, sort of example to go for. Okay. So I think that, you know, that's where your Dooms and your Fallout 4s and your Skyrims, um, how they've taken sort of that existing game that is beloved and applied a new technology to it. I think that'll be interesting, but I'll be, I suppose, I'm unconvinced at the moment, um, but, you know, ever hopeful. I didn't want to let uh, let it slide, but there's one final thing that yeah. was announced was uh, Rocket League, so... Yeah. <coughs> um, you wouldn't have played Rocket League I've at all. Played, I've played Rocket League with you once. Yeah, yeah. Um, Soccer switch. and cars. Yeah, okay, cool. Sold. <laughs> Let me out. So, uh, so there'll be some video footage whenever that comes out on the Switch. Uh, Maddie and I will all be online. Way and, too keen. Yeah, oh my God. Because just, just when I play it on the computer, like I've got a keyboard and a mouse and I'm still jumping in my seat playing this game. And to be like hands-free... Um, running around the house like it's just going to be off the hook and, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that and uh, yeah there'll be there'll be like joy cons broken and I can't wait I was going to say yeah. there's going to be some glass shattered yeah and, and dreams alright we'll uh, take a break um, for just a quick moment um, and when we come back we'll talk about uh, what's keeping us excited what's critical to our mission this week talk to you soon
to Mission Critical. Curtis, what's uh, exciting you this week? What are you feeling really passionate about? We've had such a flat, I suppose, conversation about a lot of aspects of, of E3, and I never like to um, get together and just feel um, feel a bit sad. So um, is there anything uh, this week that's really driving you? Um, well, to, to keep the conversation on the console, I think I picked up uh, a copy of Shovel Knight um, this week. So okay. Shovel Knight's a... Uh, uh, a Mega Man style game so you, you're a 2D left to right platformer um, it's, it's got rave reviews I hadn't purchased it before because it's just like you know a little uh, side developer that yeah. I knew nothing about and in the end I've played 19 hours on it in the last sort of week and a bit and it's just been phenomenal like the, the again the control like in the theme of this podcast like the controls are tight it's just a fun game to pick up and play there's um, you know more difficulty with like the second chapters which are where you play as a different character and whatever else but um, I, found, I found that just picking it up and being able to you know have a good couple of minutes at, at the end of a work day was, was, was fun and it was challenging enough to be Sometimes I would throw the control down and, and walk away, yep. and it, that was fine because the game's difficulty is not stretching you, but it's also you know not a cakewalk, so it's it's an experience that I'll just you know soon forget. Um, so I was, I was quite excited about that and connecting with uh, with with my PS4. Um, there was also the NBA Finals. Um, yep. a, a really uh, I think uh, interesting showing um, from some of the highlights there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I. Um, I've, you know, I'm a Cavs, Cavs man myself. What about you, Matty? Uh, look, I've, I've never really um, uh, worshipped at the altar of LeBron. But I think... Um, uh, what <laughs> Sacrilege! I, I know, it's terrible. Um, uh, I've always really liked Kevin Durant, though. Like, I've always been an, um, an uh, OKC fan. Yep. Um, I've always really enjoyed the way he plays. So it's been really interesting, I suppose, to get on the, um, the Golden State bandwagon this year. Um, and sort of, um, uh, I suppose, it's so interesting the way that they've suddenly become, I think, like uh, the villains of the piece as well, as though that they were like engineered for success. <laughs> um, and I think that um, uh, for Kevin Durant to get that ring after so many years, I think is a really sort of special thing. Yeah. Um, and to sort of see him play in that league with sort of the best of the best is um, is an amazing experience. When you say they were engineered, is that like the uh, the Oakland A's from Moneyball? Like they were... Well, know. I mean, it's the best players in the, the game all have suddenly gone free agent. Yeah. Um, and so they were able to leave and, and go do their own thing. So, you know, when you want that ring, you're going to get that ring. You're just going to pay a lot of money for it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what's exciting you this week? Uh, what, what's, um, what's a week in the review? Um, I suppose a, a couple of things. Um, a book I've finished and a book I'm halfway through. Yep. Um, so uh, I just finished um, The Caped Crusade, um, which is a... Um, uh, history of Batman um, from um, founding <laughs> to present day um, by um, uh, Glenn Weldon from uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour which is an NPR podcast that's fantastic um, it's a really interesting I suppose look at um, how each generation or each iteration um, of um, sort of Batman speaks to uh, sort of the society that is in the time yep. um, and so you talk about your sort of um, 60s flower power really sort of campy um, sort of Batman all the way through to your sort of um, sort of strange and weird kind of like late 80s Batman and your um, sort of war on terror um, kind of um, sort of Christopher Nolan Batmans yeah really uh, interesting and sort of compelling look um, yeah really uh, amazing and I sort of devoured it um, I was actually lucky enough to go and see um, him speak at the Marvel exhibit um, oh, also right. at um, Goma, uh, Goma. Yep. Um, it's just opened um, which I think is the world's sort of largest um, uh, collection of sort of Marvel artifacts so yeah a really sort of um, uh, amazing experience to go and see that and, and to see him as well and um, uh, yeah I suppose finish that book which is wonderful is that a Q&A style or yeah so he, um, he delivered a lecture the sort of keynote presentation for 
for it, which was really cool. Yeah, um, yeah talking about sort of the um, the history of Marvel and and sort of the uh, stuff there, which I was really stoked about. And um, the other thing that um, uh, is keeping me up at night at the moment um, is uh, a book called Barbarian Days: um, A Surfing Life, um, which is uh, by uh, this guy named William Finnegan, who's a um, uh, I believe a writer for uh, the New Yorker um, and for New York Magazine as well. Um, and so this is a sort of um, uh, a history of um, I suppose his adventures in the 60s and 70s when he sort of um, dropped out of uh, college and sort of just um, bought a surfboard and drove around the world um, sort of trying to find the best sort of wave. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a surfer. I'm not really interested in, in surfing, but um, uh, as, a, as an experience sort of reading um, that sort of like life off the grid, sort of, you know, um, sort of sexy adventures, I think is um, uh, a really sort of um, uh, fascinating, sort of compelling look at kind of a world that seems really close to us, but also so distant at the same time, yep. um, considering sort of some of this stuff happened sort of um, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah um, amazing. Um, I really look forward to um, tucking into that every night. Yeah, fantastic. Um, you'll find links to some of the things we talk about today on our website, missioncriticalpodcast.com. Uh, you can drop us a line at missioncriticalpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash missioncriticalpodcast. Leave us an iTunes review. Uh, I think that we promise every week we'll read one. Where are they? Where are they, people? They're coming. They are. They will be here sooner <laughs> or later. Um, and then, you know, Curtis, you'll have something amazing to do at the end of the podcast while I'm reading out forward slash dot com. Um, and directing people to um, uh, to send their reviews that aren't coming. Yeah, I'll be I'll be judging everyone who uh, who gives a shit. Exactly, <laughs> it's really important. Uh, until next time, I'm Matt Ryan, and I'm Curtis Selleck. I will see you real soon. See you soon. Bye.